Welcome to Celtics Hub Podcast. This is ridiculous. Hosted by... Uh, give me a break. Brendan Jackson. Pick and pop till you drop. And Ryan DeGamma. Save the DeGamma for your mama. That's how smug these guys can be. Catch me posted up in the background, ready to drop a fat sand, flip it, get styled, and put it back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here comes Scotty. Here comes Scotty. Yeah, you can catch me spreading bangers on toast, using your last hope. Does it mean to wash my mouth out with soap? Yeah, 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 yeah. Here comes Scotty. Here comes Scotty. All right, Ryan, we are two for two since we've returned. How are you feeling? Longest uninterrupted streak of uh, podcasts, so we're right where we want to be. <laughs> so obviously there's a ton of uh, awful things happening in the world right now, so we're hoping to give you 30 to 45 minutes of uh, a release and <laughs> a break from reality. Uh, so please enjoy, or at least try to. Um, and the main topic of today's show is sort of a hot off the presses scenario that uh, the Celtics are experiencing right now, which is the fact that COVID has finally hit the Boston Celtics. Uh, today, it was we learned that Rob Williams tested positive for COVID, and because of positional groupings and proximity, Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson and Rob will be unavailable for the next seven days. So my main question to you, Ryan, is how are you feeling about that? Chance for Aaron Neesmith to kind of uh, do some stuff at the five spot. Uh, <laughs> probably his natural position in the NBA. He's a great rebounder. He is a great rebounder. He likes the offensive rebound, and he's going to need to. Uh, but, I mean, I think the thing about this is, is we were going to talk about the bench anyway before this news came out because the bench has had a – more distinguished week than usual. So while we are sort of in the context of this very strange season and this very strange week, the bench probably could use some of these minutes. And the teams, you know, Miami's going to be a tough one on Sunday, but we are recording this Friday afternoon before the Washington game. Washington's still a very winnable game. And, you know, in the, in the long run, this is probably going to help the team because it's going to get some some more run for some guys who probably need it. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Carson Edwards gave the C's like 10 uh, non-minus minutes. I wouldn't say like 10 great minutes the other night against Miami, but I was I sort of left the room. I had to go do something, and when I came back in, he was playing, and I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, yeah, he looked not completely lost out there. So you're right. I think it's going to give some opportunity for some people. I hope it gives an opportunity for Aaron Neesmith. Um one thing I've been thinking about, especially um, with related to the schedules that you kind of brought up, is it's sort of a really good time for if this had to happen, it's yeah. sort of a really good time. The team's gelling. They're playing really well. Obviously, Jalen and Jason are going continuing to go nuclear. Uh, and you're playing, a, a hopefully, a bunch of winnable teams. Um, I say that even though the Celtics lost, obviously, narrow narrowly to the Pistons and the Pacers, two, two teams that they should have beat. But you have Washington. Miami's going to be tough, obviously. Chicago and Orlando twice. And then you have New York to sort of, hopefully, people will be back by the New York game on the 17th. 
And that's sort of a nice little ease in game as well. Exactly. So obviously anything can happen. They could lose all these games, right? But like if it had to happen, it's it's not necessarily a bad run here. Um, it's unfortunate actually that Robert Williams is the guy of the young kids who's out here, um, who's really starting. I mean, Grant Williams has had a good week, and we'll talk about him. But I have this sort of theory about <clears throat> NBA development um, that is sort of half formed, and, and I'm going to share it here. Uh, because we're seeing it with Aaron Neesmith right now, where a lot of fans, especially, it was like two or three games in, and people were a little bit frustrated that he wasn't getting any kind of run. And then you hear the same thing from Brad that you heard from Doc, that you hear from every other coach, which is, you know, you've got to earn it, you've got to play defense. And no coach that's trying to win is going to put a guy on the floor who's going to sabotage defensive possessions every time down the floor, which is what would theoretically happen with a guy like Neesmith or a lot of the rookies that we've seen over the last five, six years. So that's fair. It's fair that he's sitting because if you can't contribute to winning and you're not on a team that's trying to tank, you've got to sit. However, the point with the guy, and Rob Williams I think is in this spot, where even if he's making mistakes, even if he's not a perfect matchup, even if there's still a lot of bumps and bruises because big men develop slower, you've got to force feed him minutes at this point. Like there's no reason why he shouldn't be getting 20, 25, 30 minutes a game because he's at the point where he's, if he's going to hurt you, he's only going to hurt you in the way that any player is going to hurt you, where they're going to be imperfect every game. He's sort of moved up to a new level. He's actually kind of sitting on a PER now of somewhere around 26 or something. 2656 oh, is his wow. PER. I know, it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> it's like all-star level. <laughs> it's a little below Taco Fall, who's at 28, although that might be a small sample size issue. But, <clears throat> but Williams has become a really significant contributor on offense, especially... The lineup that I'm really excited for is a lineup that has Pritchard, Jalen, Jason, and Williams in it, and then whoever else fits around that. But that that lineup is an offensive killer, I think. Um, how, are, how are you seeing Williams eight games into his third year? I think he's been a complete sort of, I don't want to say renaissance. That's like, you know, a little too dramatic. But it's like, before the season, I was very very uh, bullish on the fact that he had not developed enough. Uh, he couldn't be trusted. His defense was suspect. Obviously, he's he still has problems in the pick and roll, but even that's gotten better. Um, he's incredibly active this year. I've been, and he's always been active, but it seems a little bit more focused energy. And I just, I really have loved what I've seen from him. And the thing about the development that you were talking about is like, it's sort of a huge nexus year for him because the Celtics signed Tristan Thompson. I believe it's a two-year deal and he's north of 30. So that's not like a long-term solution. That's supposed to be sort of a ballast point, a veteran and yep. who still got, you know, a lot of life left. Um, and then Tice is up this year and our friend Ryan B really thinks that if anyone's eligible, if, if there's a, if there's a good candidate to be traded this year, sort of that perfect candidate of value, contract size, and sort of superfluous positionally, it's Tice. And so if Rob Williams did not show anything or show what he's showing now, you would be much more hesitant to make that trade. But now he was just sorting, sort of starting to get going and really at least gaining my confidence that he could actually be a strong rotation player moving into that starting lineup. You know, if Tice is gone and 
Stevens next year still is really uh, headstrong about playing this double big lineup, it might be Rob Williams and Tristan Thompson. I mean, like it's not out of the realm of possibility. So I'm really excited about his development. Um, and I just think it going back to what you're saying too, joking about taco fall, I think the fact that we are, the Celtics are down these three players really speaks to an issue with how the Celtics have used that 17th roster spot for taco fall as sort of a, this is so mean, but it's sort of a sideshow get butts in the seats, get fans excited because I personally, while all reports say he's a very great dude, I don't think he's an NBA player. I don't think he can move quickly enough to uh, affect the game either offensively or defensively. And in a season where you have these risks of COVID, of people being out for extended period of time, you almost need that 17th roster spot to be a useful player, or at least a, a someone that you think might develop into one. And I don't see that with Taco Fall. And I think he's going to have to play. Do you think he's going to play in these next seven days? Yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to see just tiny lineups, and that's probably what we should be doing anyway, Brad's sort of inclination towards double big lineups aside. But, I, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to get some minutes, and he's going to get minutes in games where, you know, you can probably phone in a part of the game and still win it. Um, but it's, I mean, actually I was telling someone about this podcast this morning because I couldn't do something else because we were recording and they didn't know anything about basketball. And I said, well, you have to, you have to really like not just basketball, but the Celtics to want to listen to this because to your point, we are now, (laughs) we are now breaking down the efficiency of the use of the 17th roster spot on a single team in the league that's really in the weeds so if you're listening at this point you really really care about the celtics Um, (laughs) but i think it's a fair point about tice like the celtics do not want to pay what i think daniel tice's next contract will look like you know he's been terrific for us he's been a great value for price player but we are probably ready to move on like the job is rob williams is if he if he wants it he can own that position by the playoffs. He may or may not start in a single big lineup. It still might be Thompson by the playoffs. But there's no reason he can't be starting center next season and potentially earlier. I mean, the only thing I worry about is uh, Stevens does like his bigs to be somewhat stretchy. And even though, obviously, um, Tristan Thompson doesn't stretch at all. I don't think he's, I would love to see his shot chart, actually his career shot chart of shots that aren't like under duress of shot clock or end of quarter stuff, because like, I think it's all within six feet. I don't, I can't even tell you what his jump shot like form looks like. I can tell you what Rob's does uh, look like. And it it actually is not that bad. He's, I think he can shoot. I don't think he can shoot threes, but he can shoot. Right. And it's, it's slow, right? It's sort of catapulty, but it's not like, it's definitely not the worst I've ever seen. And it's, it's not like he's catapulting it and it's hitting the side of the backboard. It's, it's hitting the rim. It's a shot, you know? Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that sort of changes the, the dynamics. Cause as much as we've sort of shit on Tice this year for taking a bunch of threes and not making them, they're still open shots. They still look good. They're not like, it's not like, it's not like a dude, it's like Andre Drummond last year talked about how he added a, th- a three ball to his game. And I was like, oh, get out of here, man. Like, that's not helping anyone, least of all you. 
Um, and so, so it's not like that. It's like Tice can actually shoot. He's just going through a rough patch right now. It would be interesting to see how that dynamic changes if Rob does indeed supplant him in, in, the, uh, in the starting lineup next year. But one dude I feel really bad for, yes. as long with Rob Williams, is his brother Grant Williams, because he was starting to come around. Yes. He, was, he had a rough start to the season, and he was actually playing some really good basketball against my Bam Adebayo in the Miami game. I think, Grant, it looked like there was a, uh, there was a two to three game window where it seemed like Grant might end up sitting on the bench most of the season. Like it really felt like those minutes were not necessarily going to be his for good, but he's really rebounded after he took a seat on the bench a couple times, and played short minutes in another game. Like he he has looked feisty and physical and passionate, and still like he's still himself. He's not a, he's not. He's not in it alone going to win you a lot of games, but but he can fit in around a lot of different types of players and different types of lineups, and that's where he's going to continue to get minutes, I think. It's good do to you see think, him playing better. Do you think he was, like, taking for granted? Like, <laughs> that was actually not intended. That was terrible. Do you think, though, he was, like, a little, like, feeling entitled to that sort of first big off the bench just because Brad trusted him so much last year? At real playoff minutes deep into the playoffs, you could understand if he was coming into this year thinking that's my spot. And he it did feel a little like he was playing that way. Now, maybe it was just a short preseason. Right. And he's rounding into form the way that, you know, other guys are kind of rounding into form. But, um, yeah, it, d- it did feel a little like, you know what, you can be you're, – you're, you're, what you do is not so valuable or irreplaceable that this spot can't be taken away from you. Right, exactly. And 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 the guy who's going to take it away from him is Semi Ojale. He's playing just out of his mind the past couple games. And I used to be like I used to freak out every time he put the ball on the floor cuz I just felt like he's he was an older guy. He had played, you know, a couple years at Duke, a year at SMU. And it's like if you haven't figured it out by then, like you're not going to figure it out. You're just you you are who you are and and that's that. And he actually he's not perfect, but he's playing much better on both sides of the floor, especially the offensive side. Um, he's hitting his shots, he's putting the ball on the floor, and not completely like he, he's drawing fouls. I think that's really the point. If they just let him go and and say go make a layup, he he might shoot thirty percent on those <laughs> wide open layups. But instead, they're actually you know he's like drawing contact and and actually getting to the line, and I think that's like kind of cool. It's like a kind of cool little wrinkle that happened for him because it's like the Celtics needed him to step up. They needed someone right with Romeo out with Kemba out with the weird, you know, condensed schedule with tons of games in very, you know, short turnaround time. And he's really stepped up and I hope he, he's going to have to play like 20 minutes a night, uh, especially if the Celtics go small. He's, he's listed as like a power forward on some of these box scores and he ain't (laughs) so, but he's going to have to play one. Yeah. I mean, He's shooting 43% from three. It's uh, huge. Which is, I mean, even if that number is inflated by four or five or six points, he's still a plus three-point shooter. He does yeah, he does come from the Jeff Green school of straight line drives. <laughs> and if anything gets in his way in the past, Semi would either fumble the ball, throw a pass into the stands, or smash right into the guy. Like, he, he did not have the Euro step. 
he did not have the thing that, say, Paul Pierce had or that Peyton Pritchard has or that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have, which is where they can adjust their handle, stop and go, um, change the pace a little bit. Like, if he was going, he was going. And I think that'll always be him. Like, he's a 26-year-old player now. But <laughs> you never really want him going off the dribble. But if he gets that gap now, he is making better decisions. But I would say, like, he is, like, almost as classic a 3-and-D player as you could ever ask for. Though I will say, I think his D is a little overstated. Sure, I, I think, sure. yeah. I've talked to B and, and Ryan B about this on, like, winning plays and, and offline and stuff. And he seems like a dude who who looks like a plus defender. He stays in front of his guy. He's he's never gonna let a guy go straight by him, but he will back up into the seventh row and let a guy dunk on him. You know, it's like I'm just gonna keep moving my feet until because uh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Meanwhile, like Giannis is dunking on his face. You know. Yeah, his his virtue is really in his strength. Yep. Rather than his length, uh, or his ability to kind of close a guy off one on one. But, yep. but I mean, I, I still think he's a plus defender. I don't think he's a world-beating defender. I think he is sort of like, this might be peak semi this year. This could be the best we see of him. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I think he is a plus defender, but it's sort of a different – it's kind of funny. There's, like, all these dudes that look the part, you know, that might try very hard, but, like, ultimately – there's a big difference between like a semi Ojolet defender and a Marcus Smart defender, right? Like Marcus Smart, like what everyone, you know, loves to say is he affects the ball. He gets blocks, steals, you know, he strips, he pokes, that kind of thing. And obviously he dives on the floor, makes those winning plays. He loves that stuff. And you can, you, you like feel Marcus Smart as a defensive player in your bones with semi you're thinking, okay, he's strong. He stays in front. Like you said, but he's not, he, like it's and he's very similar in a different way to a guy like Evan Turner, who when he was playing defense, uh, he was always like staying in front of his guy and having active hands, moving his hands, blah blah blah, like really trying to. But but like he wasn't actually affecting the guy playing offense. And I see a lot of that in Aaron Neesmith, and I think that's why going back to him, why he's not on the floor. Um, he looks lost, obviously, on defensive rotations. But um, he's also, you know, he's active. He's using a lot of energy, but it's, I just see it as really unfocused and un, unhelpful, unproductive energy at this point on the defensive end, which is in sharp contrast to Peyton Pritchard, who I saw in the Miami game make like all these rotations really in the right spot, be able to, being able to see the play develop. And it was kind of cool because with a guy like Pritchard, you know, he, he's not going to. He's not going to block shots. He's probably not going to take charges, at least right now. But he's still there. He's still making someone who's, you know, cutting into the lane and he's like the weak side defender. He's still making them aware that he's there. And I, I was just, uh, you know, I saw a lot, of, a lot of that from Romeo Langford last year, which is another reason why getting him back will sort of rebalance these things. And I think he'll get a lot of burn because I think, I'm rambling now, but like going back to seeing, you know, with Rob Williams, seeing what Brad, Brad needs to see what he has in these players. He needs to see what he has in Langford to see if that's actually going to be a solution going forward. One thing we do know though, is Pritchard is the real deal, man. He is yeah. here to stay. That, that it is, I am, I am, boy, I'm out on a limb here, but I would be astonished if he wasn't the starting point guard game one next season. 
So, but okay, okay, great hot take, right? Great hot take. Red hot take. I have, here's, there's a reason I think that. Here's the caveat, though. Yes. Here's the big, the the big question: Is a healthy Kemba Walker on the Celtics? Uh, I have no guess about the health part, but I don't think Kemba will be a Celtic after this summer. Okay, so that makes your take a little less hot, right? Because like, who is he really battling at that point? Um. I think Jeff Teague's on a one-year deal, <laughs> and he's started over uh, everyone else this year when Kemba was out. So I think I can definitely see that. But answer me this, okay? This will be another interesting like wrinkle to this question. Is there another point guard on the roster that's also starting? Like, you know how Toronto starts Lowry and Van Vliet? Is that happening as well with Peyton Pritchard being one of the starters? Yeah, it's hard to say, right? Like, because again, we're kind of drifting into offseason territory already. I don't, I, I think they're going to move Kemba if they can get him healthy and showcase him. Um, so what does the backcourt look like? Like, do you run Jalen at the two along with Peyton? Do you have Marcus starting along with Pritchard? Um, I think it's I think it's a little bit unclear. I think like the virtue, right? Like the reason that it's exciting is that it is very easy to imagine a world in which Kemba is dealt for whatever. No one else significant is added to the roster and the Celtics feel really comfortable with him as a starting point guard. He's just you meet these guys and I don't think Jalen was this guy to start with. No, 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 no. We're, but they they're basketball players. Mm-hmm. Like their instincts are really really good. They have a very natural feel for the game, or he does after probably 20 years of playing the game. But he does things on defense that really cover up for his lack of athleticism Mm -hmm. to the extent that it's there, based around good positioning, moving his feet, understanding what the other player is going to do. He's a very well-prepared player at this point. And I think like the thing that's really interesting is, and this is why I want to see this lineup with him, Jalen, Jason, and Rob more, more consistently, is that he's a much more creative point guard than Marcus is. He moves the ball with pace, and he does interesting things once he starts taking the dribble beyond the three-point line and attacking. I th- Yeah, I, I, I think we have, especially for draft slot, I think we have a home run on top of a home run with this kid. Oh, yeah, for sure, especially draft slot. You know, it's such a crapshoot at the end of the first round. And obviously, if Ainge knew that Pritchard was going to be this player this quickly, he would have drafted him in Neesmith's spot. So like, I love, and again, we're, we're in the off season right now when we're like in the beginning of the season, it's really dumb, but like, it's just, it's so great to hit on these guys. Um, and you know, he sort of reminds me of Tatum when he first started and it, it was different, right? So Pritchard has the experience, you know, he was a multi-year starter. He's an older dude. He's like the same age as Tatum and he's a rookie and Tatum's in his fourth year. Um, but when Tatum was a rookie, he was this athletic, uh, really silky smooth player who was unafraid. You know, you, you see the guy who, you know, he dunked on LeBron in the playoffs. That's like not an insignificant moment in his career. Uh, Pritchard's different, but in that same sort of NBA ready type dude, you know, he's been around forever. He's not scared. Um, he kind of, what was funny is that, I don't know if you saw the post-game interview, but when he hit the game winner against Miami, he was talking about how he was celebrating it and it was weird that there were no fans there. 
And it sort of reminded, it sort of like remind, like made me think that he's running off the the court. He's all excited. He's cheering with his teammates. And then he realized that like, he's already over it. You know, he's like already like laughing about how silly it is. And okay, now, now we got another game and I don't even remember it. And that to me is like veteran stuff. And we're probably ascribing way too many things to a rookie. He's probably not thinking any of these things and we're just fanning out right now. But I just, you're right. I see like a multi-year starter. I don't see why he can't be Fred Van Vliet. Like he just, it's the same guy. It's the same mold, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that is, that is a great sign too. Like, it's not like he is thrilled to hit a shot. Like say Carson Edwards might be right now. Like (laughs) he expects good things to happen when he's in the game. Right. Like this is success is expected. There's no part of him that thinks he doesn't belong. So to hit a game winning shot, like, of course that's going to happen because that's, he's an NBA player. Like that's, that's a brilliant piece. You know, when guys talk about confidence, like Peyton certainly isn't going to lack for it. Well, that's, that's actually really funny too. Cause my buddy, uh, <laughs> my buddy has a cousin who plays semi-pro, um, but he's from Oregon and he grew up like the same time. He's like a little bit older than Peyton Pritchard. And I guess like in AAU circuits in Oregon, Pritchard was known as like a total prick, like a totally overconfident, like little, little shit, I guess. And I just think that's really funny to hear now because my first reaction was like, well, he was a kid who was a D1 athlete and then went is a, is a, you know, a, a very productive NBA player. I, I don't think that type of person lacks confidence against someone, you know, in that circle of who's, he was probably always good growing up. Right. But I just think like, it's just so interesting to, to, to hear that right from someone who grew up with playing against him and then to hear you say, yeah, he looks, he looks like he expects to be on the court and not in like a cocky way, but just in a, yeah, this is what I do. It's almost like matter of fact. It's like, yeah, I play basketball. Exactly. (laughs) So anyway, so tonight is Washington. What do you think happens? Oh man. Uh, my main, in, like, I mean, one thing I think will happen is I think Tatum is going to try and impress Bradley Beal. Oh, you know, it's so funny. I, 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 every other game this season, I've been thinking about Bradley Beal and their relationship. And for some reason, I think it's with the COVID news, the, the bench COVIDians, as I uh, want to dub them. I just haven't thought about Bradley Beal and their relationship. And this is a perfect, yeah, I think he will too. They might try to go toe to toe in a friendly way more sidestep threes than we are comfortable with but yeah <laughs> but again i think like we we have to approach this next week of games with the idea that the team has been decimated at the big spots um brad's gonna do all sorts of weird stuff and you're gonna have to give it to him like it, it's amazing right because the thing he's doing that's driving people nuts is the double big lineup so it's like okay brad we're gonna take away three of your bigs yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> the we're universe gonna... said no <laughs> we're going to tie your hands behind your back. He's going to start taco and Tristan now. That's just that. Sorry. It's just the way it is. He's so committed to this double big lineup. Um, but I mean, it, it's an interesting team tonight. We don't have to talk about Washington too much, but I, it's just so fresh, you know, and I'm just so curious of what he's going to do. They have Thomas Bryant who shoots threes a little bit like better than you would think. And he's an active big, I think he's better than people think. And they have Robin Lopez who's bulky. And so I think it'll be really interesting. I think um, uh, I do think Tice can sort of handle both of them in spurts despite being smaller. But this might be 
a taco game, like a little bit. It it might be as a kind of a sneaky one. So, um, and I think anybody who is a rotation guy now, who I think I think Brad is going to have to prioritize long minutes for guys who are in the rotation rather than matching up. No, for sure. But like, I I, I just who's. I, I guess who is going to play? Do you think? Do you think everyone just plays an extra like seven minutes? Like JB plays the power forward position instead of the two guard. Yeah, I would think there'll be some of that. I mean, we're going to probably have to watch Tremont Waters tonight, and wow, his last outing was pretty unimpressive. Um, yeah, but is is Teague back? Like, I don't think we will see Waters if Teague is back. I'm an, I I am. I know Brad is going to play Tremont tonight. I know he's, <laughs> he's going to do it to frustrate me. Because, <laughs> because Tremont, we, I mean, let's give me just 30 seconds on Waters. Oh, yeah, take he, it away, he man. He is out there, and he is terrified of Peyton Pritchard being on the roster. And he doesn't like Jeff Teague being on the roster. And he knows Kemba's coming back. And, like, this is his window. It's January 2021. This is where he needs to be getting minutes and making something happen, or he's going to be right back in spot number 15 on the bench. And the See, last that the last extended stretch he had, like he would not give the ball to anyone else. He was going to make something happen, good or bad. But he was going to make an impact on the court because if he doesn't, he may never play for this team again. Well, I think you're a hundred percent right. I honestly think he knows no matter what he does, that's going to be like. I think that's why he was so confident. Like I think he knows that. He's going back, and, and he doesn't have a future with the Celtics. Uh, Peyton Pritchard aside, I mean, they didn't sign him. They, they signed him to another two-way deal. They didn't sign him to, you know, like a second-round pick level that they might have done for someone they really wanted on the team. So when they did that in the offseason, he sort of knew that he was punting again. And so any chance he gets in there, he's going to try to flash. So that with that respect, you're right. I think the dude who's pissed about Pritchard, and I would be too, is Carson Edwards. Like, I'm sure he's happy because the team's winning, but he probably looks at Peyton Pritchard and says, man, this guy can do everything I can do <laughs> and more. And he's absolutely going to get more burn than I am. And that's why it was kind of cool to see Carson Edwards play for 10 minutes last game because I think he is going to have to play a lot in these next seven games. I think because you know, Green's out, Langford's out. Like, th- there's just no other guys. And I don't think it's worth desperately trying to overextend the starters and really burn them out this early in the season against crap teams. I, I just, you know, it's like they have two games against Orlando later in the week and and Marco Fultz just went down. So, like, mm. I, I think these games are still winnable, but I do think Brad's going to be forced to play these. That's why I keep, you know, harping on the end of the roster. I think Brad's going to have to play these guys. I really do. Yeah, and I think it's it's actually as a as a viewer, everybody should feel comfortable. Like you don't have to worry too much about what the rotations are or what Brad's doing. You don't have to stress about whether the coach doesn't get that the two big lineup is not an ideal scenario for this roster. You can just roll with whatever Brad's doing out there, knowing that he's his hand has been forced and like it actually kind of makes the games a little more relaxing to watch. Because it's like, okay, it's Carson and Tremont and Marcus on the floor at the same time. Like, why not? Let's try it. Marcus can play small forward, power forward. Let's do it. (laughs) And that's true. He's definitely playing with house money. And and you don't have to be like, what is he doing? It's like, well, it doesn't matter. His hands are tied. So this is going to be both fun and frustrating. And I'm I'm definitely here for it. Um, 
But is there any last burning thing? I feel like we've covered enough for today, especially since we'll try to do another one, you know, pretty quick after this, just because this is just a, a quick 30 minute one. But is there anything super burning you're you're want to get off your chest? No, I think we've covered it. The thing we haven't covered in the last couple of weeks that we will cover next time, I think, is Jalen Brown and sort of the evolution of his game. And, and Hell what, yeah. we have, what do we have here? So that's that's next week. Especially after the Bradley Beal game, you know, it's like they're playing Beal. I think there's some section of Celtics fans that want to do a little switcheroo, a little swap Mm -hmm. Brown for Beal. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be ready to talk about it next. So um, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Just a quick one today. Um, Write to us at um, CelticsHubPod at gmail.com. You can follow me at... Jack's OBD. You can follow Ryan at Ryan DeGamma on Twitter. I did. It's funny. When I wrote the, when I just said the email spot, I forgot we did get one question. Let me just pull it up real quick. Yeah. And it's kind yeah. of a funny one. So, exactly. I'm nothing if not unprofessional. Um, so, with, oh yeah, yeah, there it is. So, <laughs> this came in this morning, which is why I was so topical. So, in the next seven games, who scores more points, Taco Fall or Aaron Neesmith? Oh, that's fantastic. Wow, that is that is actually really good. Okay, starting tonight, the next seven games. Those are exactly the right two people to put there. Um, I am going to say... Wow, I'm going to say Neesmith. You have to. You have to because he also shoots threes. I, but the, the better question is, like, how, who gets more minutes? <laughs> right, and that, and that might be Taco. You're right. Well, this is uh, – obviously, we're going to put this on the, the, the ticker and track this because this is an important question. And, you know, listener and engagement, I want to give Trey, who sent that question in, I want to give him some, you know, something to look forward to. So we'll track it and uh, we'll, we'll have the Taco Neesmith watch. That's fantastic. Um, But anyway, thanks for listening, guys. We will be back uh, soon. Enjoy the weekend. Try and uh, enjoy the games instead of thinking about everything that's going on. Nice break is what everybody deserves. Absolutely. Great. See you, man.